Hello and welcome to this week's Golf Alternative podcast, the only podcast out there that mixes the best in PGA Tour golf betting tips and an amazing playlist of alternative music. So, what a week we had down in Phoenix. Um, yeah, it was uh, an absolute cracker. And uh, what a joy it was to see the fans back at Phoenix, uh, the 16th, uh, full of, well, the 20,000 or so around there, and and two holes in one. So, uh, an incredible week, an incredible end, and great to see Scotty Scheffler uh, get his first PGA Tour title. Anyway, we've got another cracking week ahead of us. Uh, we're on to Riviera, and I'm delighted this week to be joined by Len Hochberg, who um, some of you UK listeners might not know so well, but I'm sure the US listeners do. Uh, Roto-wise, senior golf writer, Action Network podcaster. Uh, Len, good evening. How are you? I am great, Martin. It's uh, it's wonderful to be with you. I'm, I'm just thrilled that you asked me to be here, so I'm, I'm looking forward to our talk. Excellent. Well, um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I know this is a busy week for you. Uh, for those who don't know, Len's based in the LA area, so um, he's going to paint the picture for us in LA. So while I'm sat here in a uh, in a dark England with wind and rain and what have you, uh, hmm. Len, make me jealous. What's the weather like there? Uh, it's beautiful here today. Uh, you know, there was the Super Bowl was just here yesterday, and there was sure, talk yeah. in, in the run-up, at least to the states, that this was going to be one of the hottest Super Bowls and maybe the hottest Super Bowl ever. And I don't think it was, but we were in the eighty degrees Fahrenheit here, wow. which is pretty pretty darn warm. And uh, you know, this is a dicey time of year in Los Angeles. Uh, Someone, uh, and I wish I knew who I could attribute this to, said that, um, you know, L.A. weather is great 51 of the 52 weeks, and the one week that it isn't is Riviera week. Um, okay. We've had some rain. We've had some, you know, dicey conditions, chilly, uh, you know, not cold, but uh, rainy and chilly. But but it looks like it's a slight chance of rain on Tuesday, but after that, it's going to be warm and dry and, and and not that windy the whole rest of the way. So we could see some scores. Excellent. Well, um, I'm certainly going to be um, asking you for your thoughts as to how you think the course is going to play. And um, yeah, it would be fascinating to get your insight on the event. I know you've been been pretty much a regular at the event over, uh, well, the last um, uh, 15, 20 years or so. So um, yeah, really looking forward to hearing you, your thoughts on um, Riviera and what it takes. And um, yeah. So uh, Super Bowl, yeah, I must admit, Super Bowl's never really. Uh, uh, I'm not really an American football man. It's never, never. I'm a big sports guy, but I don't want to offend my US listeners. But uh, uh, I just, it, I, I don't. There's too too many adverts for me and <laughs> what have you. So uh, <laughs> I had been in the states once on Super Bowl week, but I don't. Um, and, and I sort of felt obliged to watch it. But uh, I don't know. Were you, were you riveted? Your team, I guess, or, or your, your your adopted team, if you like. Um, was it um, uh, was it a big part? the atmosphere last night well not not so much for me and you're right the hometown team here uh the los angeles rams ended up winning it's not my hometown i'm yeah. actually from uh from new york a brooklyn yeah. boy from but i've been out here for a number of years so uh you know uh la is not uh, a big american football town like it is basketball with the lakers mm -hmm. and baseball with the dodgers but you know but the rams winning maybe that'll change things here um but, uh, you know, for me, it was just uh, kind of a fun day to watch the game. 
Excellent, excellent. And um, what did you make of Scotty Scheffler getting his first win? Uh, that was uh, a heck of a. Well, I thought he'd like you. I thought he'd blown it when he missed the putt on the 18th, but um, he obviously uh, got over the line in the playoff. Um, obviously, we were all expecting him to get the win, but uh, what what was your take on that event? Do you do you do you love the 16th and all the party atmosphere, or what? You, yeah, I, 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 I guess I do. I, I, I do. I mean, I, I think it's what's really good about it. I mean, if we had that every week, well, mm. that would be that. I don't know if it would be so good. But to have, no, it, to have it as a once a year thing and has a sort of a special event, uh, you know, I, I think it was a lot of fun. I, you know, I don't know about the throwing of the beer cans. I don't want to sound like an old buddy-duddy or anything like that. But uh, something made Patrick Cantlay's ball jump two inches in the yeah, air on yeah. 16. And as as someone who picked Cantlay to win, uh, that, that putt could have gone in. Well, it might have been different. But, uh, no, I do like the festive atmosphere. In fact, while we while I was watching the tournament over the weekend, I texted a buddy of mine here. I said, we should go to Phoenix next year. So, uh, you know, it's very close. It's only, you know, a few hundred miles. Um, so might do it. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, uh, Riviera this week is going to be a, a, a 180 turn for mm -hmm. uh, much more of a classical formal thing, which I also like. So, but it, it is kind of interesting back to back the two, you know, different tournaments. Absolutely, the the idea of Harry Harry Higgs and Joel Damon taking their shirts off more than one week a year, I think, is probably a, a bit um, too much. But um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a great you know, and with all this talk, obviously, of um, Saudi Arabia and and uh, and what have you, I think it just shows that. Uh, even if a few a uh, few bigger names do do break off and take take the money and grow the game, as they say, uh, then um, I think the PGA Tour will be fine fine without them. So, uh, um, yeah, I, agreed, I think, agreed. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, let's uh, let's move on to this week, and um, yeah, we're uh, heading into uh, Riviera week, and what a what an event is it, it is. This is one of my favourites. Uh, Favorite events on the tour all year, and um, I'm going to start before we get into talking about Riviera. I'm going to throw a song in, and um, so many tunes to pick from this week. Uh, I'm going to go for a song by a band called System of a Down, uh, who were actually brought up uh, in Hollywood, although they're, they're Ar Armenian by um, origin. Uh, and I have a song on their 2005 album called Mes uh, the album's Mesmerized. The song is called Lost in Hollywood, uh, and uh, it's an absolute belter. Um, it's uh, it was written by uh, their guitarist, and he says it's about sort of the the dark side of hollywood if you don't make it um compared to if you do make it and it's uh yeah it's a cracking tune so that's the first song for our playlist this week which for those who are new to the pod you can listen to afterwards on spotify which i'll be linking out um anyway riviera country club it's a par 71 it's 7300 yards long approximately we're back on power greens uh after um being back on the bermuda last week in uh, phoenix uh and we also have this kakuya rough which is pretty uh unusual for us courses but quite common out in south africa and i think australia so um that often links to why um, some of the Oz guys have played well here over the years and the South African guys. Uh, normally now I'd be talking about what I think um, it takes to conquer the course, but uh, uh, I think that would be a bit of a folly from me when I've got uh, uh, Len here who's been to the course more, more times than uh, I'm ever likely to even dream of in my life. So uh, Len, what, what do you think it takes to conquer Riviera? What are we looking for this week? 
Well, the thing the thing I love about Riviera, and I, and it is my adopted hometown track, and like you say, I do go every year, just about for the last twenty years. So I love to go it, and I'll defend it. Uh, the thing that I, I the easy answer for me, the, the the snapshot is, you really have to play every club in your bag. There is no getting away with all facets of your game. If you are a little weak in one facet of your game, you will be exposed. I mean, someone will have to win. Someone will have to overcome that. But uh, you have to drive the ball well. You have to drive the ball far. You have to drive it accurately. Uh, you have to hit your irons great. But the greens are are kind of small. There are some very small greens. There are some big greens. So the small ones, you will miss your green. You have to be able to uh, you know, be, uh, good with your wedge and you will have to make some putts. You know, we, we, I think we've seen it on Twitter that, uh, it is remarkably hard to putt on these Riviera Poa greens that, uh, the putting from inside of 10 feet is some of the worst we will see on tour all year. We'll also see really low greens and regulation numbers and low fairways hit numbers. Um, so I think you really have to think your way around the course. There are dog legs. There are decisions to make. It just really, it is, uh, it just makes you a, a complete player has to win this game more times than not. It's just, it's just fascinating to see the way they play. They go around the course. And the key holes here, the, the par four tenth. Obviously, you you got to take advantage of the par five first. What what would you what would you see as the toughest stretch on there that um, it can all go awry? Well, yeah. The well to start with the at the first hole is really maybe one of the easiest holes that golfers will see all year. It is a barely five hundred yard par five, but it's from an enormously elevated uh, tee. And uh, it's right on the other side of the clubhouse, which we, we normally don't see that on TV. On You see the clubhouse from the other side, from 18. Um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to play Riviera twice, and I will not play it from the tips or anywhere near that. But everyone mm -hmm. takes that first shot from the tips at the top of this hill uh, because it is such a majestic shot. But if you're not birdieing that hole, you're in trouble right off the bat. I will tell all the listeners that if you're watching your guy and he pars number one and you go, okay, well, no, that's not okay. Yeah. Uh, you will have to birdie that hole. And, um, you know, and there will be, uh, it also has more eagles than any other hole. Um, moving on to uh, up the course, number six will be uh, familiar to people. It is the par three, the 199 yard par three with the bunker in the middle of the green. And right, that, is, yeah. that is a place I like to stand a lot because there is, uh, depending on where they put the pin, uh, sometimes uh, the golfers uh, will have to use their wedge to get over uh, the bunker on the uh, on the green, and a lot can go wrong there, and it's very interesting to see. You mentioned number 10, one of the great drivable par fours in golf. Um, 315 is what it is on the card. It's um, – I don't think television does justice how hard it is to get the ball on the green uh, and I don't think many guys do, but if you leave it in the right place, short of the hole, you can get, uh, you can get up and down for birdies. There are, uh, the, the hole plays a little bit under par, 
but there are also are a lot of double bogeys on mm. that surrounded by bunkers. It is a long, thin green. Um, some of the tougher par fours, eight of the 11 par fours play over par. They're long, 450 to 500. Uh, 12 is really hard. 15 is really hard. Um, and then 18 is just an iconic 475 yard uh, par four uphill. Uh, it's like 220 to get to the top of the hill, but it's uphill. So it plays even longer. Someone like me has no chance to get to the top of the hill. And then you're left with a very long iron into a small green. And it's just a wonderful setting. It's an amphitheater like setting. You, we see the fans ringing the, uh, the 18th green on a hill just with the clubhouse there. Uh, it's just uh, it's just a beautifully thought out golf course, and uh, and there's so many different uh, so many different shots I just described in in those few holes that I talked about. Yeah, it sounds like you can't wait to get out there. Are you um, uh, what which days are you hoping to get there this week? Just what one or two days or more? Or, or what, uh, what I'm going to try. I'm going to get out there uh, Wednesday before the tournament to look yep. around. I've never gone before the tournament starts. Uh, and so I wanted to get a feel for that. I guess it won't be too many people, uh, but maybe I can walk over by the practice mm -hmm. range and see what the golfers are doing. But then I'll get there uh, Thursday and Saturday, and uh, I, I might get there Sunday. But, you know, from, from just a – well, I'll explain why. I just think Sunday is almost the worst day to go because at that point you have to follow the leaders. And yeah. I really love to get around the course and to see all the different holes. Mm. And, uh, you know, I don't get to 18, uh, or 18 holes all every time, but, uh, but I try and get to, you know, more than 10, 11, 12, depending on how things go, because it, the tournament generally is still wide open and you don't need to focus on the last group or the last two groups. So for me, mm. Sunday, uh, despite, so much happening on Sunday is the worst day from a fan perspective. Yeah, no, you're. I've been. Um, I've not watched any uh, golf in LA. I've also not been to Riviera, but uh, I've been to a few PGA events over the years. And yeah, go, going, um, going to uh, the the Sunday. It's uh, as you say. You you can't. You know, it, it just becomes a log jam. And uh, you know, if you've got uh, uh, on the Rory and JT in the final group on a Sunday or whatever, it's uh, uh, you've right. got you've got no chance. But uh, you know, yeah. it's you know when. The when it's so stacked like that and tiger has come out to play i mean you know this is wherever tiger plays if you want to see tiger hit the ball you've got to just jump up two or three holes and yeah. uh and just wait for him because if he's on six you can't you can't just walk over to six and see him you go park yourself at number eight and then you'll have a good spot you'll have to stand there and see some other guys not terrible but uh yeah that's the way it's done at riviera but that sounds like a, that might be for a for a really popular guy uh, or in a final group on a Sunday. Yeah. That's how you yeah. have to do it. It's interesting you mentioned Tiger, actually, because I was going to ask you, I mean, you've talked about the fact that every facet of your game has to be working to conquer Riviera. Why, why do you think, I mean, it's relative, of course, he had some decent finishes there. Why do you think Tiger never mastered Riviera? It's 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 crazy. Uh, it makes no. It, it defies logic. It defies. Uh, you know, uh, I tweeted out something earlier today. The the list of uh, this wasn't all at Riviera, but the list of champions through the years. I mean, there have been about six, close to sixty of the ninety something uh, LA Opens have been at Riviera, and the and the list of winners is 
is, uh, you know, Ben Hogan, Sam Sneed, uh, Byron Nelson, and Arnold Palmer, and Billy Casper, and more recently, Els, and Faldo, and Couples, and Mickelson, and DJ, mm -hmm. and so many great names, Ken Venturi, but Nicholas has never won the tournament, and Tiger Woods has never won the tournament. Nicholas mm -hmm. played some at Riviera, but uh, I, I guess I'm just sort of tap dancing around. I don't have an answer why Tiger hasn't won, because when you have to play every club in your bag, well, every club in his bag is a good club. So it's, uh, I, I, you know, maybe it's just the pressure of playing at home. That seems illogical. Yeah. He's got so much pressure in his life in so many moments. Mm -hmm. uh, he was second one year at this tournament in 1998, but it wasn't at Riviera. <laughs> it yeah. was at Valencia Country Club. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's just one of those will never never be answered and uh, obviously highly, highly unlikely and sadly that he'll get to conquer it now. But um, uh, but uh, yeah, well, fascinating in, insight through through the course there. And uh, um, obviously we're all about picking some tunes here as well. Uh, and uh, I know you've got a, a, an instrumental for us to start things off from your selections, Len, with a, with a, with a link to the course. So um, yeah, tell us about it. Yeah, it takes a couple of couple of sentences to get to the to connect the dots here. But yeah, there is, you know, there are so many, you know, it's all Hollywood here in Los Angeles. And there are there are some very big name uh, members at the Riviera Country Club through the years. I mean, some of the golden age of Hollywood. I mean, Humphrey Bogart, Gregory Peck and uh, James Garner, move, big time movie stars. And more recently, um, one of the one of the members is Adam Sandler, who uh, I think we all know from his movies, including Happy Gilmore. And when I started yeah. researching for some songs, I was pleasantly surprised to see a song I love on the Happy Gilmore soundtrack. It's called Green Onions by Booker T and the MGs. It's from the early 1960s. It's just a fantastic song. When Rolling Stone magazine listed their top 500 songs of all time, uh, this was the only instrumental in the 500, and it was in the top 200. So Green Onions by Booker T and the MGs. Give it a listen. You'll like it. And maybe you even heard it and remember it from Happy Gilmore. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a it's a cracker. It's certainly a, it's a tune I like. So, uh, yeah, delighted to have that on the playlist. Um, coming back to the event then, and uh, looking at uh, a little bit of the stats and trends here over recent years, uh, and what what's become more and more apparent and i guess the weather can play a part in this and we'll touch on what what you're expecting weather-wise uh from the week in a minute len but what's become more apparent over the recent years it's become uh i guess a little bit of a bomber's paradise if we look at the last 10 winners we've seen um uh, well bubba watson's become obviously a bit of a cool specialist with three wins in the last 10 years but then we've seen uh uh dustin johnson jb holmes uh in addition to those guys winning we've seen uh uh obviously tony Finau play hit well here. Uh, Thomas Peters has played well, uh, the big hitting Belgian, obviously. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau's uh, had a decent finish here. So um, so it has become a little bit of a bomber's paradise, which can be more accentuated by the weather. But uh, last year, if memory serves me correctly, it was drier and Max Homer is not so long off the tee. I guess his average length, um, of course, the local guy prevailed. So it's not all about a bomber's paradise. And uh, we've seen some shorter hitters uh, make the frame as well over, over the years. Uh, it's also a good track for California guys, uh, as well as Homer's win last year with the two 
other left field winners or the complete skinners really in the last 10 years um, have been James Hahn and John Merrick, who are both uh, uh, California guys. Uh, and co coming back to your point, uh, Len, about how all parts of your game or facets of your game have to be working, I think that's borne out by the fact that to me, whenever I'm researching this event each year, it just comes back to, I guess, the old traditional golf betting mantras of course form and current form. Uh, eight out of the past 10 winners had made their previous cut. Uh, seven of those guys had finished in the top 14 in one of their two previous starts. And then from a course form point of view, uh, experience here, uh, eight out of the previous 10 winners had had a top 13 here. Obviously, guys like Bubba were repeat winners. Uh, guys like, well, Adam Scott was a repeat winner as well. Homer had played well here before. Um, uh, Dustin Johnson, obviously, had, had performed well before he won. Uh, again, the guys who didn't have the history here were uh, jo John Merrick and uh, James Hahn. So um, uh, would that um, be how you'd see it? Len, is that what you're looking for in your players this week? Guys who are in form and have got some experience here? Yeah, course experience. Yeah, the, the golfers talk about course knowledge and course experience. I mean, it's more than the Kikuya grass, which isn't very familiar to a lot of people. There's just a lot of, uh, you know, smart angles and nuances to the course and where you have to hit the ball. You know, there hasn't been a winner this century uh, who has played the course. Every winner this century has played the course at least twice previously before coming in, not even once, but twice. The last yeah. one-time player who won was Ernie Els in 1999. So there's certainly a lot to be said for playing this course multiple times. And uh, and I guess that sort of dovetails into uh, that there tend to be older winners. Uh, there have not been, uh, there's been only two winners uh, in the last 37 years who have been under 29 years old. And that was Charles Howell in 2007. Uh, and uh, Adam Scott, uh, it was an unofficial win. He was 24 yeah. in 2005, but that was a 36-hole tournament, rained out, uh, technically unofficial. But, um, you know, but he came back and won again. So, yeah, you really have to play this course a, a number of times to really figure out how to go around it and how to do things and stuff. So, uh, you know as you were saying, it's just so important to, uh, and obviously if you played well here in the past, well, that just makes it, that's just even gravy on, on, on top of that, that uh, it's cause it, it's just so much to learn. Absolutely. Uh, looking at the betting market, uh, and uh, and I'm sure it's pretty similar from from your end of things at the DraftKings. Uh, but uh, we we've got uh, John Rahm here at nine to one, uh, still a strong favourite in the market as he is pretty much every week. He tees it up. Uh, Cantlay then at twelves. Uh, Justin Thomas and Dustin Johnson at uh, 16s. Uh, DJ's been back today. Actually, he was 18s earlier in the day, but he's been uh, uh, pretty well supported. He's only 16s now. Uh, Colin Morikawa at 18 to 1. Uh, and then it's uh, Rory at 22 to 1. So, um, yeah, uh, so that's how the betting market's looking. Uh, the weather, normally I've thrown a weather forecast here, but it would be nuts for me to give the weather forecast. Len, uh, what, what are you expecting? You mentioned that uh, possibly a bit of rain tomorrow. What, other than that, a dry week? Yeah, absolutely. You know, about six weeks ago, we had 
torrential, torrential rain, uh, unlike that I have seen in my 20 years in Los Angeles. They call it an atmospheric river. It rained for about four or five days, and uh, anywhere that mud could slide, mud was sliding. So, uh, and then it stopped, and it really has not rained uh, other than maybe misting, sprinkling here and there, but for the past six weeks, it hasn't. And, and like I mentioned at the top about the Super Bowl, we've had some very hot weather. I reached out to the course to one of my contacts there, uh, and he said that it has been very challenging to get the course in good shape, but they are expecting it to be in good shape. I would expect nothing less when they've had six weeks since the rain has ended. Mm. Uh, the rough may be a little bit thicker, but the weather this week, there's a chance of rain tomorrow morning. That crept into the forecast just in the last couple of days. But after that, it's supposed to be uh, in the upper 60s, low 70s uh, Fahrenheit here, which means there could be some chilly mornings for the early tea yeah. times, at least on Thursday and Friday. But uh, no rain to speak of at all on the weekend and uh, or, or the four days. And also the wind is it's supposed to be uh, pretty benign, pretty light. Uh, so I would think they would be very good scoring conditions. We saw 12 under last year, 11, year, 11 under Adam Scott the year before. We might be able to move up a few shots from that. Right. Okay. I mean, do you, do you think it'll play pretty firm, though? I mean, even with this potential bit, I don't know how much rain tomorrow, would, would you expect it a, a firm course? And from that point of view, maybe that the Bombers not getting quite the advantage they would get on a, on a wet year? Yeah, you know, I wasn't able to get a, a full answer from, from my contact. I don't know why, but uh, it's kind of hush-hush, uh, but maybe is a bit of a warning. But I, I really think the course will be in great shape. Uh, it, it, I think they'll get it, they'll get it ready. And, and I think, yeah, I, you know, I think that there is a way, there's always a way for a shorter hitter to, uh, if not win, but to come mm. close. You know, there's always, there's always one way to, more than one way to win a golf court tournament, but the longer hitters, I think will have a, with a big, will have a big edge this week. Okay, great. Uh, right, so before we just uh, jump into our picks, I'm going to throw another song out there, uh, and uh, I think this will probably be the only time we have two instrumentals on on the pod. Uh, uh, but uh, my my next pick is an instrumental as well. Uh, obviously, um, Green Onions is a seminal song that everyone uh, or most people will know. Uh, my pick's a song that a lot of people probably won't know. Uh, uh, it's actually by a band called Electrolane. Uh, and the song is a song called Film Music. So again, uh, obviously we've got our Hollywood link this week. Uh, Electrolane are um, uh, an all-girl band or an all-lady band um, uh, from uh, Brighton originally. And this was their debut single in 2000. Uh, and it's a cracking tune. And the band actually went on um, uh, uh, to um, um, tour all around the world, playing the States. They recorded an album with Steve Albini producing, I believe, uh, supported Arcade Fire. So... Uh, uh, did some pretty great things, uh, but this was their debut single in uh, 2000, and it's called Film Music. And if you've never heard this before, do give it a listen because it's an absolute cracker. I have not heard it, and I will give it a listen. I'm, I'm yeah. interested to hear your songs. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, they've got we've certainly got some diversity on the pod tonight. So uh, yeah, uh, and uh, that's uh, that's one definitely. I'd, I'd, well, I'd recommend them all. Obviously, but that's uh, definitely what I'd recommend. Uh, right, picks. So I'm going to lead off here because I'm um, not. Uh, 
really uh, doing anything too unpredictable with my first pick this week, uh, as some, some people might have already seen. Uh, I'm um, throwing my uh, colours down on John Rahm this week. Uh, it's very rare for me to uh, go uh, sort of uh, piling into the, uh, the, the jolly on a win-only basis, but I'm having four points win on John Rahm. Uh, the last time I did this, and I'm hoping this is a good omen, uh, was when he won the US Open last year. Uh, and uh, I'm not even sure if I've backed him since, but um, I, if I have, it would have been each way. I've certainly not backed him win only since. Uh, I'll stand corrected if someone wants to check through all my previews, but uh, I don't think I've backed him since. So, uh, But I've decided it's time for Ram to win again. He's not won since the US Open, which is obviously slightly concerning uh but i think i'll take the positive from that that he's motivated driven to get another win you've been able to see his frustration coming out over the last couple of weeks or last couple of starts where he's um just i mean he's he's only well on, on the greens he's had his d game really uh certainly this last week uh but uh he still managed to be there or thereabouts with uh uh certainly his um his putter not cooperating uh but um his um his approach game and uh, long long game was uh, in decent nick at uh, Phoenix. He was actually second uh, from tee to green and in approaches, uh, and he was 60th in putting. And everything just kept burning the edges, and it just wasn't his week. So back on the power, obviously there's a link, uh, a close link with Tory, uh, Tory Pines and Riviera here. Uh, we've got Bubba, who's won both events, of course. JB Holmes has lost in the playoff at uh, at Tory. Uh, Max Home has played well there, and, and uh, you know, so have plenty of the other winners here in the last ten years. So, uh, so uh, we know. Obviously, John Rahm loves Tory Pines. That goes without saying. Uh, he's due another win, and I think if he just puts half decently. Um, I, yeah, I, I just think this is week to get back in the winner's enclosure. So uh, I'm going four points win on John Rahm at nine to one. So that's my first pick this week. Uh, Len, do you want to give us another song? Um, an English band we have here. Yeah, it, it is a band and uh, from from England originally, and well, and 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 I guess perpetually. Uh, and they have a terrific song, uh, The Kinks celluloid heroes uh again keeping with our theme they sing about greta garbo they sing about rudolph valentino bella lugosi mickey rooney in all my research i haven't been able to uh confirm uh that any of them were uh members of uh riviera but mickey rooney apparently took equestrian lessons that there used to be an equestrian component to uh to riviera back in the day and he learned how to ride horses there for some of his movie roles. But it's just a wonderful ballad and then sort of rocks out as well. Celluloid Heroes by the Kinks. Yeah, and that's a cracking tune. And I know who will be pleased here on the pod. That's Dave Tindall, our guest from the other week, because uh, uh, I believe Ray Davis is one of his idols. So, uh, yeah, he, um, uh, he'll, he'll certainly be a big fan of this one. So, um Moving away from the music, Len, and um, uh, who are your first couple of golfers? I believe you've got a couple around the uh, 20 to 1 mark you're quite keen on this week. Yeah, and I, I, I do have something a little longer than John Rahm, but I do want to say that I do like John Rahm this week. I think that's a that's a great call by you. His, As you mentioned, his putting has been off. I think, I think everyone's putting is not going to be as good as it usually is this week, and uh, the, the, the greens are so hard, and that will uh, – allow him he was fifth uh here last year so uh 
you know, he's definitely on my radar. And, and of course, it would never surprise anyone if John Rahm won a golf tournament any week. But, um, yeah, first guy I like is uh, is at 22 to 1. I, once you cross that 20 uh, threshold, I think it's sort of a psychological barrier. It makes guys a little more enticing. But but this guy, Cam Smith, has been, uh, you know, he, he just fell out of the top 10, but he moved into the top 10 recently. He is really a world-class golfer. He has played this course a number of times very well. Uh, fourth last year, sixth one other time. Um, we don't think of Cam Smith as a long hitter, but he is sneaky long. He is averaging mm-hmm. over 300 yards on his tee balls. Uh, and, you know, and that is pretty good. So I think he's a little bit longer than we think. And his his short game wedge and putter are just some of the best uh, combination of anyone on tour. Uh, I think uh, some of the characteristics there are what has made him play well at Augusta through the years. And I think there is an Augusta uh, and Riviera connection. Bubba Watson has won multiple times, both places. Dustin Johnson has won at both places. Phil Mickelson. Well, Cam Smith has played well at both tracks. And uh, 22 to 1 seems a very attractive price for him this week. Excellent. And, um, And your next one around a similar price? Yeah, also 22 to 1. I mean, this is this is uh you talk about the crossing the 20, the psychological 20 to 1 uh threshold. Uh Rory McIlroy. Um you know, and uh, I guess somebody not everyone can be 10 to 1, but Rory actually is playing very well lately. He, you know, he won the CJ Cup in the fall and and since then has continued on to play some uh, very good golf uh, overseas. He's back on the States for the first time in, in 2022. Uh, he did miss the cut here last year. I mean, so many things about last year and maybe even the last two years uh, with golf and, and life and the world uh, and the pandemic that we might be able to, you know, exclude as aberrations and stuff. But the two years before last year, he was top five here and uh, top 20 the two years before that. It just seems like... Um, you know, I know that so many things can go wrong with Rory, um, and they and they often do. But uh, Rory McIlroy at twenty-two to one seems like uh, a gift. Yeah, I mean, um, there's been a sort of mantra over recent years here in the UK. If Rory hits twenty to one, he becomes an auto bet, and, and obviously in this field, he's he's now snuck out to well above above that sort of price. But I, I just last year, I just couldn't get him right, uh, and uh, I picked you know picked him, backed him a few times last year, and it was just sort of head in your hand stuff as he would take double bogeys on par fives, you know, dumping it in the water with his approach and all this kind of thing, and and. Uh, and of course, the two times he won, uh, I wasn't on him. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, and uh, I just, uh, he's one of those guys for the last year or so. He's just, uh, yeah, giving giving me, um, uh, giving me kittens, as it were. <laughs> just, uh, uh, just haven't been able to get him right. Um, you, you, you can't, I mean, I'm certainly not going to argue with a Rory pick. And, and of course, like you say, he, he's um, uh, been, been, been solid, but again, well, better than solid, obviously, in, in the hump, but again, frustrating, uh, missing out. Uh, in the uh, the Middle East early in, in the new year on the on the world tour as it is now, uh, but um, no, it wouldn't surprise anyone obviously if Rory pitched up and won, and, and I guess it wouldn't surprise anyone if any of the the top ten in the world this week pitched up and won. Obviously, that's uh, the nature of what we got here this week. But um, 
yeah, Rory just, uh, uh, I've I, I just decided to leave Malone for a little while after last year. Uh, and, and your Cam Smith pick, I mean, I love Cam Smith. I was frustrated to miss his win at the beginning of the year because really and truly that was one that uh, um, in hindsight was uh, sort of right there in front of us, as it were, uh, the way he'd finished last year and, and his record in Hawaii. Uh, but uh, he, yeah, like you say, he's played here well well before. So again, a, a great pick that I'm, I'm not going to argue with. Uh, for, for my next pick, um, I'm going to go slightly down the betting uh, to um, Will Zalatoris. And uh, He's available at 28 to 1, and I'm going one and a half points each way at 28 to 1. And uh, the only slight negative um, with Zalatoris this week is, of course, we we don't know how, uh, if at all, he was affected by the COVID that forced him to withdraw from Pebble uh, last time out. Uh, It's obviously a couple of weeks since that uh, positive test. So uh, I'm taking it on trust that um, whilst it was a positive test, he he didn't actually fall fall too poorly. So it was more just a case of obviously having to go through the isolation period. And and touch wood, he's not lost any of his... uh, momentum and is uh, raring to go again because the momentum he'd brought into the year uh, to start the season uh, or start the calendar year is is great. Uh, obviously, he was sixth at the Amex uh, and then so close to getting the win at Torrey Pines, uh, missing missing the putt to, to win on the last, basically. Uh, and if we're looking for someone who, who thrives from tee to green, then we don't really need to look any further because he's first on tour from tee to green this season and first in tour on approach. So he really is a tee to green machine so far this season. Uh, and his California record as a California guy, uh, from, from birth anyway, is uh, he, um, you know, very strong. He's had his last six starts in California since uh, uh, he's been, should we say, a regular on the tour, although obviously his full membership wasn't there. But uh, uh, his mm. last six starts in California, he's had five top 15s, including three top 10s. Uh, and he was 15th here last year. Uh, he won uh, the college showcase event here back in his college day. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I, I'm going to take your point about uh, uh, older players or maturity Um uh, you know, often being the order of the day here, but uh, we are in a new breed of golfers as well. And uh, I, I think uh, Zalatoris can can really um, be be in the mix this week. Uh, is he, as a, someone who's been based out in Cali for uh, a long while now, um, Len, is he someone who was sort of on your radar when um, when he was cu- coming through the college ranks and growing up? You know, he, he, he really wasn't. I mean, we, you know, I think we're just in the last few years, we're starting to hear more about the college guys because when they're, they're, they're ready to go as soon as they come out, Morikawa, Hovland, Wolf, now maybe Thigala, uh, who was so fantastic at the at Phoenix. But uh, Will Salatoris was not uh, really on my on my radar. I think he was sort of a little bit of a late bloomer. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, he's obviously still a young guy, but I do like that pick again. He was he was second at uh, Torrey Pines, another slightly similar track in in some ways to. Uh, to Riviera, and I, and I think he does his best work on the longer, harder tracks. Uh, so uh, yeah, I would uh, you know, COVID notwithstanding, I he he's on my list as well. Yeah, and, and he's got the distance. That's another good point you mentioned there. He's got the length off the tee. So if uh, length is an advantage here, then then certainly he uh, uh, he, he ticks the boxes in in, in that department. So uh, uh, yeah, I'm happy to put Will up this week and. Uh, 
uh, I'm um, expecting a, a big run from him this week. So, uh, and I believe you like another one at similar sort of odds, maybe a fraction shorter. Um, you know, someone you just mentioned, the, uh, uh, the the smiling assassin is uh, the new smiling assassin, as he's known. Yeah, he does has that boyish look to him, but yeah, when he gets going, he he's as good as anyone in the world. Well, he's he's number four right now, Victor Hovland. Uh, you know, Victor Hovland. You know, he's won three of his last six tournaments. Um, interestingly enough, if uh, not to sound too jingoistic, but none of them have been in the United States. Uh, I don't know if that means anything or not. But he won in Mexico. He won in Bermuda, and then he won uh, over in the. Uh, in the Middle East, but, uh, you know, he is, and he, he debuted here last year uh, with a, a tie for fifth, and that is really good when you're playing this course, uh, the tournament for the first time. Um, obviously, you know, he's about as good uh, tee to green, uh, you know, with his driver and with his irons and accurate, and that, of course, is imperative this week. Um his uh, wedge game still has, uh, he knows, he acknowledges he still has work to do, but I guess if you get it on the green in regulation, then you don't need your wedge as much as the other people do. So that's going to be the key for him this week because if he does if he does start missing greens, well, that's not a that's not a good sign and that's not Victor Hovland. But 25 to 1 uh, for the number four player in the world, again, seems like a, a very uh, favorable uh, value. Excellent. And uh, yeah, like you say, he was hugely impressive on debut here last year. So uh, I wouldn't surprise anyone to see him bounce back from the, the miscut Phoenix last week and uh, be, be right in the hunt. So uh, yeah, no, not, uh, well, I'm not going to argue with any of your picks, obviously, but uh, uh, yeah, he's certainly one that uh, I, I suspect will be uh, there or thereabouts come Sunday. Right, I'm now going to throw another song into the mix. And uh, actually, you, meant, you mentioned the uh, the actor who's in the title of this song when you were talking about uh, you, the, the Kink song. Uh, and uh, I would be surprised if you know this one, Len, because this is a song that was very much uh, um, sort of, uh, yeah, a, a bit of a folklore song over here, as it were. Uh, it's by a band called Bauhaus, uh, and it's uh, called Bella Lugosi's Dead. Uh, and, and this song, uh, if uh, this is an acquired taste, this song, so you either love it or hate it, be, be warned. But uh, I'm sure plenty of the listeners will know this song uh, in its full nine minute glory. Uh, and it's um, it's uh, sort of recognized potentially as being the first ever goth rock song uh, on record. Uh, and it was made in 1979. Uh, apparently it was made in the band's first ever recording session uh, in the studio and in sort of one take. Uh, and uh, there's been nothing else like it ever made. It's, uh, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's a cracking song. Uh, and um, yeah, it's uh, for those of you who don't know, it, give it a listen. Uh, you, you might, it's a bit of a Marmite song. You'll either love it or hate it, but uh, it's unique. Uh, and it's called Bella Lugosi's Dead, and it's by a Bauhaus. If, uh, if you can't, uh, if you can't wrap your arms around Bella Lugosi, who can you wrap your yeah, arms around? No, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, it's one hell of a song. I think the lead singer actually went on um, Pete Murphy. He went on to be in a band after his sort of gothic days were over. He went on to be in a band called Love and Rockets, who were a quite, um, you know, made a bit of a splash in the US. I think so. Uh, so that name might be more known to some of the uh, American listeners. But uh, yeah, this is a. Uh, a, 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 a great tune. So, uh, anyway, back to the golfers and my next golfing pick this week 
Uh, I'm going to chance Matthew Fitzpatrick, uh, and it's uh, one and a half points each way. Again, uh, it's 33 to one, um, fifth of the odds, first eight. And yeah, they're getting the sort of negative out of the way. Of course, the slight concern is does uh, Matthew have the length to compete here? Uh, but uh, he did finish fifth here last year. So uh, he obviously likes the course. He was 30th on debut, uh, fifth here last year. And he comes in here in as good a sort of run of form as, as you know, if we go back to the back in the last year, as, as I can remember him being in, uh, he, he won in October on the European Tour, um, sorry, the World Tour, I need to get that right, uh, on the DP World Tour, and then um, he was second in the um, uh, the sort of season-ending finale in Dubai, uh, and then he's come out this year after the break, uh, and he started with a sixth at Pebble Beach and a tenth last week at Phoenix, which isn't necessarily a venue you would think would be a uh, sort of um, uh, one that uh, w would be sort of right up his alley as again sort of perhaps something that's a little bit more of a, a, a bomber's track maybe uh, so he's firing all cylinders uh, again from a tee to green point of view uh, he's sixth from tee to green and third in approach on the PGA Tour this season. Uh, and he was 11th um, from tee to green and eighth in approach at Phoenix last week. So uh, I'm hoping that some slightly firmer conditions will, as I say, slightly negate the Bombers. Uh, and if that's the case, uh, I, I think um, uh, Matt's um, sort of uh, uh, accuracy could stand him in, in good stead this week. And uh, I expect a really big week from him. So uh, I'm um, uh, taking a chance on him at 33 to 1, fifth of the odds, first eight. Yeah, I, um, you know, it, it, when I think of Matthew, excuse me, Matt Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, I don't think of a long hitter, uh, yet he tends to do well, and I think he prefers playing on the harder tracks. I don't really mm. associate him with birdie fests. I don't know. Yeah, agreed, yeah. I don't remember him 21 under, 24 under, 26. I don't see, I don't remember him doing that. Uh, maybe he has at some point. But yeah, these harder tracks, uh, you know, he seems like a think. he thinks his way around the golf course. And he makes decisions. And like I said, it, there's more than one way to win a golf tournament, even on the very long tracks. It's harder, but you can do it. And uh, and he's a thinking man's golfer. I like to watch him play. Yeah, no, he's um, he's definitely someone who, like you say, can perform on the on the tougher tracks. Uh, and um, uh, he. Yeah, he he won last his, his European Tour win last year was at uh, uh, Valderrama. So and, and they don't come much tougher than Valderrama uh, in in Spain, obviously. So uh, yeah, he, he's, um, he's if the going gets tough, he's someone who can um, sort of grit it out. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm I'm optimistic for a big week for him. Going down the betting a little bit, and uh, I, I believe um, you've got one. Uh, we're now jumping up to the bigger odds, and you've got one that's uh, taken your eye about the uh, about the sixty to one mark, Len. I believe. Yeah, and, and I was very pleased to see the odds this long. I was a little surprised to see them this long for Mark Leishman. Um, he has played uh, this course well in the past. He's played it many times. He's had a couple of top fives or top sixes, as it is. Uh, just coming off a very good uh, run at Torrey Pines. He was 16th a few weeks back there. Um, you know, there were very few golfers of the top golfers uh, who really were affected uh, by the pandemic or who, let's put it this way, there, are very, there aren't many golfers who played worse coming out of the pandemic 
than uh, the golf shutdown than Mark Leishman. Mm -hmm. I have no idea why. I don't know if it was pandemic related, but for whatever reason, when golf resumed in 2020, he was not playing very well, uh, really very poorly among the top golfers. But he sort of found himself lately. He had a couple of top fives in the fall season. Um, and he has not missed a cut. And he was just 16th at Torrey Pines, as I mentioned. Uh, great player here. Uh, you know, all, again, an all-around uh, player with, with good components in, in every facet of his, his game. Uh, very happy to see him at 60 to 1. And uh, it's a big ask to win, but uh, a big ask to win. But, uh, but think how, uh, how fun that would be if he actually did cash at 60 to 1. Absolutely. And he's the sort of guy he can, you know, a lot of the 60 to 1, 80 to 1 shots, you'll look at them and think, can they actually win in this company? Uh, but we know he can win in this company. He wins big events, as you say. He's won at Tory before. Uh, you know, he's competed in, in majors. So, um, yeah, we, we know that uh, if his game's on, he, he won't be afraid, you know, if he's up against um, sort of uh, JT or Rahm or what have you on, on, on Sunday afternoon. Uh, I think coming back to the... Um, post lockdown if you like i think the two things he he said was one he just didn't practice during the lockdown uh and two he really struggled with the motivation with the no fans uh he, he just found that mm. tough to get his head around which i'm sure a lot of the players did i think rory was very similar because he'd been absolutely on fire before the lockdown and then after the lockdown he was just uh struggling so uh, and then you know when he obviously you, you can't just make yourself play well when uh when he suddenly sort of thought okay i need to get this going again he couldn't do and bad, bad habits had crept in and uh yeah it sort of went went from there really so uh so um yeah but as you say he's really turned it around now so uh he was uh he was very close to making my team and he's certainly been um uh sort of well uh uh, well supported today uh, on various sort of um, uh, well, well, well respected people. So you're, you're, you're bang on there, Len. And um, he's, uh, he's he's someone that uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see go go well and give give you a great run, run for your money. Uh, you, you don't get each way betting there, do you? At the moment, though, that's uh, so DraftKings. Is, is it win only on the DraftKings book for you for you guys over there? Well, yeah. I mean, well, in California, where I am, I can't even make these bets. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, betting, online betting is making its way through the United States. Mm -hmm. There are different uh, levels of online, in-person, uh, different things you can do, but it's up to about 30 states all told. Mm -hmm. And California probably going to be one of the, the last ones. So I think you'd probably have to go uh, offshore to get an e each way, but uh, I, I'm not 100% certain of that, so mm. I don't want to mis misinform anybody. Very but sure, uh, yeah. yeah, it's very challenging here in California to uh, to place a bet. Well, you, legally you can't. So yeah, yeah. well, hope, hopefully that'll change for you soon. It uh, as you say, it's gradually creeping through all the all the states, so it'll get it'll get there eventually, won't it? But uh, um, hopefully sooner sooner rather than later for you. Um, Anyway, moving on, and uh, we get to uh, a, a segment of the show now, or the pod, uh, which is called the Back Nine Challenge, and this is where I'm going to throw some uh, questions at Len, put him in, put in the hot, hot seat. It's uh, a mixture of golf questions and music questions, so uh, uh, I hope you're ready, Len, and whatever comes to mind. I know you've not, uh, obviously, I've not prompted you with these, these questions, so uh, um, yeah, so uh, let's rattle through them and see what comes to mind. So uh, for, from a musical point of view, Len, what's... Um, what, what was the fir first record you bought, first record you fell in love with? Um, you know, I, I, 
you might as well ask me, Martin, tell me how old you are without telling me how old you are. <laughs> well, uh, I'm not going to ask that, but uh, uh, yeah, you well, could have bought an old record. You could be someone who's into 60s people music. Are gonna, people are going to be able to figure it out. But I, I remember, you know, two records that I remember. Well, one one album and one single. Uh, and the, the album that I remember was the first one I ever bought when I was a boy was Sly and the Family Stone. The greatest hits, and okay. uh, I just loved listening to them, and and uh, you know it just made me get up and want to move around and stuff. So I really enjoyed Sly, and uh, and also uh, uh, an old forty-five, The Beatles, "Hello Goodbye," with mm. uh, "I Am the Walrus" on the B side. And gosh, I wish I had these vinyls still. They're probably uh, especially the dollars. "Hello yeah, Goodbye" forty-five yeah. is probably worth a, a, a nice penny these days. But yeah. uh, but they bring back memories of, of my youth, so it's fun to talk about them, even though that it goes back many many years. Yeah, did you, did music play a big part in your youth as you were growing up? You, have you always been a big music lover? You know, it it took me a while. It took me a while, uh, and um, you know, I just didn't. Uh, I, I think I just needed to find my music, uh, mm. and a lot of my friends in school. Uh, you know, they were listening to things and they were really into it. And I just said, I, I just don't get it. Um, mm. But um, as a lot of things in life, it, you know, it comes at a different time for everybody, whatever it may be. And I just needed to find the music uh, that uh, that spoke to me. And I think that will come up uh, later in your in your back nine questions. But, yeah, I was not as early as a lot of people. OK. Uh, and the first gig you went to? The first gig, it's, it's going to sound odd because uh, this is sort of a, a real hard rock and roll and not a real, you know, entry into going to music. But I, I went to a concert right near my house in Brooklyn at, uh, on the campus of Brooklyn College, just a few minutes from my house. The Jerry Garcia Band, Jerry Garcia from the Grateful Dead. This yeah. was, uh, he, was, he was obviously still in the Grateful Dead because he was his whole life. Uh, but he uh, was ended up touring with with some other guys, and you know I don't think people think of a, a Grateful Dead or Jerry Garcia as sort of an entry point into music. Uh, it sort of takes you a while to get there to uh, develop a taste for that. But I think I was dragged along by a bunch of friends. Again, I had not found my place musically as yet uh, as a listener, mm -hmm. and. Uh, and I went and, uh, yeah, it was fine. It was fine. But uh, that's the first concert I ever went to, the Jerry Garcia Band. Well, they're one of the, I mean, the Grateful Dead, I think, is one of the biggest bands uh, there's ever been in the States, aren't they? So uh, I guess that's, uh, you know. A, absolutely. Absolutely. A, a, a decent opening gig. Absolutely. So um, coming back to the golf and um, I know in California, they can't get actually get the bets on. But your your best, uh, your, your best, most almost memorable golf winner that you've put up um, over the years. Well, this will take a little explaining because I do. I I write an article on the DraftKings prices. I know Kenny Kim got into this uh, a few weeks back and explained did, to yeah. listeners what the DraftKings is. It's a it's a salary cap format. Every golfer is a, a DraftKings attaches a price, a monetary figure to every guy, and you have fifty thousand dollars to uh, pick six golfers uh, just for. Um, Point of reference: John Rahm is eleven thousand three hundred this week as the top guy. But I offer on my readers uh, in a in a full field of one fifty six. I will 
list 16 different golfers going through all different price points, you know, to equate it to betting on 110 to 1, 120 to 1, 240 to 1s, a couple of 80 to 1s, a couple of 100 to 1s. Anyway, I had 16 guys. And in the 2019 Houston Open, I somehow hit the top five guys in the tournament. And the 2019 uh, Houston Open was won by Lanto Griffin, ranked 176th in the world at the time. Tied for second were Scott Harrington and Mark Hubbard, both well into the 200s in the world. And a couple of guys who tied for fourth were Harris English. And this was not current Harris English. This was well outside the top 200 in the world, Harris English. And Zheng Zhang, the Chinese player, who of those five guys was the highest ranked at 126th in the world. So I do did take a little 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 liberty by listing 16 guys, but I've never hit the top five, and and I don't think I ever will again. So that's always been wow. Wow. Well, that is a wow. So uh, uh, yeah, to come up with that collection of guys uh, on one week, uh, that's uh, uh, that, that's, in, that's incredible stuff. So uh, yeah, no no wonder that's the most memorable one. Um, and your and your worst beat, as it were, the one where you thought, uh, I've got this in the bag uh, for my readers. I'm, uh, uh, I've got the winner and then it's all it's all gone wrong. Oh gosh, I I think I blocked that out. Either I blocked it out, or there are too many to mention. I, I really don't have one in mind, but I I just there have just been so many times uh, where I what was I thinking? Why did I play this guy? I mean, I could see that with Rory McIlroy, and I could see that this yeah. week since I picked Rat Rory McIlroy. Yeah. I mean, he's hurt. He's heading toward a victory, and then you know, and and then he doubles, uh, you know, fifteen or seventeen or something uh, on a on a Sunday, and and I just go, what was I thinking? So I really don't have one in mind, but I, I just, uh, you know, I mean, I guess picking Bryson DeChambeau is always, uh, you know, playing with fire and, and yeah. uh, he just looks so talented when he can do it. And then something goes wrong and somebody clicks a camera or something and the wheels come off. So Yeah, when the wheels come off with him, they really do come off, don't they? So, uh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, my, my worst beat actually got a mention on the show with Niall last week and uh, uh, it'll be relevant actually uh, when we get to my last pick. So I'll, uh, I'll I'll tell you about that one in a, in a, in a minute. But uh, um, most memorable gig. So uh, yeah, most memorable gig you've been to. Well, I'm I'm a big fan of the Who. Uh, Pete Townsend, Roger Daltrey. They're actually coming back around um, this fall in the states for their 32nd retirement tour. Wow. Uh, their, okay. thir- their 32nd farewell tour. Um, but uh, back in the day, we used to have to. Uh, we would actually have to mail in, uh, maybe this is commonplace, but we would, uh, tickets would go on sale at Madison Square Garden in, in Manhattan, and we'd physically have to put money in an envelope and mail it to Madison mm. Square Garden, and tickets were just um, a, a lottery. You know, you'd get, you'd find out, did you get tickets? Did you not get tickets? Wherever they put you, they put you. And we got our tickets, uh, a buddy of mine and me, and we were in row RR, and that didn't sound so good, row RR. But it turned out, for whatever reason, that at Madison Square Garden for The Who in 1979, row RR was the fourth row. And uh, so I saw The Who uh, on a six-night tour at Madison Square Garden. We actually got tickets to another night and had really crappy seats, like row 30. How horrible is that? Um, 
joking, but uh, row four for The Who was the, the closest I've ever been. And I've been a huge fan of Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey and John S. Entwistle was in the band at, at the mm. time. And it was fantastic. Excellent. Well, I've, I've never seen The Who and they're a band that, uh, of course, I'd like to have seen, um, well, in, in, their, in their heyday, but at any, any time, because I'm sure they're still great. So uh, I envy you that one. Uh, your four ball, uh, dream four ball, and this is only musicians or golfers, so uh, no no politicians or actors here or what have you, uh, just musicians or golfers. Uh, and um, you're one of the four balls. So we just need three, and uh, we'll, we'll suspend um, reality here so they can be uh, dead or alive. So your dream four ball. Yeah, this was this was kind of challenging uh, for me. Uh, I knew this question was coming. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to say Tiger Woods. Uh, because, uh, you know, I've been on a golf course with Tiger, uh, and I've seen him hit the ball and, uh, but it would be nice to just be even inside the ropes, if you will, and to play with him and, and hopefully get to talk with him and pick his mm -hmm. brain a little bit about just, uh, golf and, and things like that. So, I, and, and, you know, and I would selfishly be able to, um, tell people I played with Tiger Woods and they would be interested Absolutely. in hearing what I have to say and they'd be jealous and um, a musician and this, uh, the, these next two, I'm going to be, I'm going to cheat here, but uh, I'm going to pick Pete Townsend from the who uh, I'm pretty sure Pete Townsend doesn't play golf. So that's this fine. We're suspending reality as whether actually golfers or not. So well, this yeah. would ensure that I wouldn't finish last <laughs> uh, most likely uh, you know, a 70 year old rock and roll star who doesn't, who's never played golf. I'm hopefully I could beat him, but I would also love to pick his brain and just talk to him about his life and, and, yeah. and the life of a rock and roll star. And this last one is really cheating because the, the fourth golfer, I'm going to pick my brother because I would love to relive the moments of playing with Pete Townsend and Tiger Woods. And uh, I'll never see them again after this day, but I will yeah. see my brother and we'll always have that bond between us and be able to share about and be able to talk about it. That's good. And um, that's, um, that's, that's more than acceptable. And that's a great reason for having your brother in there. So is he, is he a golfer or do you, who, who wins the money when you play? Oh, he's, he's a much better golfer than me. He's in a club. He plays all the time. He plays in New York and we're cold now. Mm -hmm. And I live in a place where you could play 12 months out of the year. He plays more than me. I mean, as soon as the last snow melts, he's out there in gloves and hat and, uh, and can't wait to go. He's, he's a real fanatic. Uh, I wish I had his passion to play that much. My passion is in other ways related to golf, but yeah, he, he's a pretty good golfer. Excellent. Um, and um, your favorite course on the PGA Tour? I'm guessing you might give me the obvious answer here, but maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, it, it is the obvious answer. This whole podcast is just chalk for me. I apologize to everybody. <laughs> uh, but it is Riviera. Not only do I go to it every year and, uh, and I get to really see the nuance. I mean, I think a lot of people will pick Riviera even without the, the connection to it that that i have uh so many people think riviera is the best course on tour and i'm a bit biased but i i i also think uh it is i've had the um good fortune to play it a couple of times been invi invited on to play and uh, i mean that's just spectacular i've had the good fortune to play a couple of other uh tournament tracks olympic club tpc summerlin in vegas um mm. 
but Riviera more than once, and it's just uh, spectacular and just a, just a thrill to be on the ground. So Riviera. Yeah, you've got. Um, am I right in thinking you've got another major coming up there in the next few years? We have a couple of big events coming up in 2026. The U.S. Women's Open will be at Riviera. And then in 2028, the Olympics are going to be in Los Angeles and the mm -hmm. uh, the Olympic golf will be at Riviera. So uh, mm -hmm. I'm hoping to go to both of those events. You know, Riviera really doesn't get majors anymore. Right. Uh, right. The last one they had, there it's just a isn't a lot of ground around mm -hmm. the course and golf so much now, especially for the big tournaments. You just need so much hospitality room, mm. so many room for tents and, and all kinds of things for sponsors and people and corporations and things like that. And Riviera just doesn't have you walk to 10 feet out of the course, the entrance to Riviera, and you were at somebody's house. You walk down a, a, a neighborhood block and mm. at the end of the block, oh, look, here's Riviera. So it's really tucked into an area where there's not a ton of room. And uh, I guess they feel that a women's a major does not require the the mm. scope that a men's major does. Uh, I don't want to misspeak there, but a women's major is coming, so that that's great for Riviera. Yeah, that's um, as you say to get uh, well any, any kind of um, uh, major in your uh, in, in your local city, of course, is uh, is good. But uh, as you say, to bring because now they're looking to get the women's majors to to more of the same courses, aren't they? That uh, obviously uh, the, the men's events are played on. So it's it's great that they're getting uh, the women's US Open to Riviera. Certainly, uh, your most treasured record. You're one desert island disc, if you like. If you had one one record you could take with you to a desert island. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to cheat again. I'm just all about cheating. I don't cheat at golf. Uh, I want people to know that. But I cheat at the back nine with Martin here. Uh, I'm going to pick a double album. Uh, uh, and it is the Allman Brothers, live at the Fillmore East. Uh, we talked a few minutes ago about whether I got into music at a young age, and I didn't get in as young as my friends did. Uh, and while there, were, there was music that I liked, when I finally heard the Allman Brothers live at the Fillmore East album, uh, a sort of a light bulb went off in my head, and I realized, oh, this is what my friends, uh, this is why they are into music. I just needed the music to speak to me. And, uh, and, and, and the Allman Brothers will always have a place uh, in, in my music heart because of that, because they really made me realize what music was and how incredible music is to just everyday life. Well, that's that's a perfect answer. That's what this pod, apart from the golf picks, obviously that's what this pod's all about, the love of music. Uh, I don't, to be brutally honest, know too much about the Allman Brothers, but you made me want to maybe want to check them out a bit more with uh, uh, what you said about them. So I shall, uh, I shall be listening to some of their stuff on, on the Southern, Southern rock and roll blues yeah. band and uh, just, yeah. Excellent stuff. Excellent. Uh, and finally, uh, Jack or tiger, the goat. Uh, yeah. Tiger. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I think that just about any other metric other than majors, uh, 18 to 15, and I, and I know Jack has many runner-ups in majors, but I think in in just seems like in just about every other uh, metric, including the uh, complete bandwidth of the competition that Tiger had to face, it just seems there are more uh, great guys, and playing in the in the public eye is. Um, 
is, is different. It just seems like mm -hmm. there's so many, you know, stats about made cuts and high finishes and beating fields by 15 shots. It just, it just, uh, it just, you can hear it over and over again. And it, and it just still amazes how he has been so far superior when he's in, in a career with Phil Mickelson, who's arguably another top 10 golfer all time, top 10, mm. top 15 for sure. And just not even close, not even close. Mm. How much better Tiger Woods than Phil. Uh, I would have loved to have seen Jack play. Um, it would have been great fun, but, um, but Tiger Woods is for me. Okay. Uh, right, I'm going to slightly change the running order this week for reasons that will become apparent when I put my final song on. So I'm going to come to the free bet now. We uh, uh, we give a £5 free bet away each week. Uh, uh, so it's approximately $7 for anyone uh, uh, in the States or so. Uh, and um, yes, yeah, so I'm going to run through that that now and uh, give out the free bet this week. And again, we've had some great suggestions this week. Obviously, it was a, uh, a whole sort of uh, wide gamut of choices you could have had with the LA Hollywood uh, theme, as it were. So uh, Chris Chris Lofthouse was in uh, with uh, the Twang's cover version of Drinking in LA. Um, McNulty suggested uh, something by Kanicki, um, uh, who, uh, these are all English bands, you're not going to know, Len, probably. Uh, something by Kanicki, who apparently was a character in Greece. That I did never know. Um, obviously, I know huh. Kanicki, the band. But uh, Kanicki was a character in Greece. So that was his angle there. Um, uh, Big Dave Busses on Twitter. Uh, he suggested, obviously, it's 12 months since the horrific uh, uh, car crash of Tiger Woods, of course. And um, he suggested Crash by the Primitives to sort of mark that 12-month anniversary. Um, we've got... Um, uh, this one you will know, um, uh, Len. Um, Tom Jones, you can leave your hat on. Uh, that's huh. for Harry and Joel last weekend. Uh, that was suggested by A.R. Thompson. Uh, and with the Holmes and Watson link uh, as past winners here, uh, uh, Baker Street was suggested uh, by Jerry Rafferty. So uh, oh, nice. uh, the Holmes and Watson angle. Uh, it Always Rains in L.A. by Scouting for Girls by Gary Wilde, or from Gary Wilde. Thank you, Gary. Um, and indeed, um, we had... Um, uh, another a LA song, I Love LA by Randy Newman, suggested by John Everett. Uh, J.P. Kircher put in the Party in USA by Miley Cyrus. I'm sure it was a party in LA last night. Uh, and of course, Genesis got the obligatory mention, Land of Confusion from Colm Dooley. Uh, but I'm going to go with another film star. Uh, and it's um, a pick by Greg Petru. And uh, it's... Um, Clint Eastwood by Gorillaz, which uh, I'm sure uh, a lot of the listeners will know is uh, Damon Albarn's project after uh, Blur. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call it a side project because it was a very big project, but uh, uh, Clint Eastwood, uh, a great tune by by uh, Gorillaz, and um, that's the winner of uh, this week's uh, £5 bet. So uh, uh, well done, Greg. Uh, I'll be um, messaging you to, um, yeah, congratulate you. So well done. Um couple of picks to uh, wrap up this week. Uh, and um, I believe you've got a pick, uh, not so much a, a win pick, but someone you fancy for a, a possibly a good value for a top 20, Len. Yeah. And, and again, this, this could be one of those, what, what was I thinking picks? But, um, you know, Ricky Fowler is not what he used to be. And he didn't even qualify to get into this field. He had to be invited. Uh, kind of a bit of an embarrassment, but he was invited to this invitational, this is a select field. Mm -hmm. He is in the field. Um, he has not been uh, great of late, but, and he missed the cut on the number in Phoenix. It was really fun for me. Uh, uh, I don't know if people saw that on 
Thursday, he eagled 17, one of the, um, you know, one of the holes where there's so many fans lined and he, he hit a wedge in and it, and it went right in the hole for an eagle two and the place erupted. Uh, he's just such a, a fan favorite. And, 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 you know, from a, from a selfish standpoint, it would be great for the tour if Ricky Fowler could be relevant again because the fans absolutely love him. He's a great ambassador for the game. Talk about growing the game. Get Ricky Fowler back out there. But mm-hmm. he has not been good. But I looked at his numbers. He's been hitting the ball very well. Everything but his putting has been better than average, way better than average, but his putting is disastrous. He is 205th on tour in strokes gained putting. I mean, I mean, some people don't even know there are 200 guys um, and he's 205th, but he was also 20th here last year. Putting will be more challenging this week. I think that will negate some of his troubles on the greens uh, and I like him just for a top 20, just dipping my toe in there. He's five to one for a top 20. I think just a top 20 would be a huge win for Ricky Fowler in the PGA Tour. I think he can do it. Certainly making the cut in this field when more than 60 and more than well, more than 50 percent of the field will make the cut. And then you just got to get a couple of breaks on the weekend. Well, whether it'll happen for Ricky this week or not, obviously, uh, uh, I'm, I'm not certain, and um, neither are you, of course, but uh, uh, hopefully he can have a great week. But I have got Ricky in my six to follow for this year, so I do think he will have a comeback year, and I think he will win this year. Uh, it's a big statement, I know, but I think uh, he'll be back in the, in the winner's enclosure this uh, this calendar year, and uh, it would be lovely to see him, as you say, he's... he's great for the game he, he's obviously a, a hugely popular and charismatic figure and um you, you know he's kept a kept a smile on his face through his uh through his downtime or downturn if you like so uh i'll be delighted uh to see him uh well be delighted to see him win this week even though i've not got got money on him um i, I would love to see him um get back in the winner's enclosure as, as soon as possible as you say the the game's a better place for a, a, a good performing ricky fowler and uh uh the putting stats as you say horrific for someone who you, you know that was uh, the strength of his game back in his heyday so hopefully he can get that uh get that back online and um yeah here's here's to him having a great week uh, my final pick this week uh, is going to be uh, uh, having sort of gone with the shorter odds guys initially and fairly predictable picks. Uh, I'm going to have a roll of the dice on Bo Hosler uh, at um, uh, a very eye-catching 250 to 1. Uh, again, looking at this from an each-way point of view, one point each way, fifth of the odds, first eight. Um Bo Hofstra is responsible for my worst beat uh, that I got to mention on the pod last mm-hmm. week because I had money on him at 150 to 1 when he lost out in Houston uh, when it looked for all the world he had it won and then Ian Poulter hold the sort of 25-foot bomb or 30-foot oh, bomb on, right. on, the, on, the, on ah. the 18th hole to get into the playoff. And uh, I was sort of count, counting the winnings and the money already. And uh, uh, and then, uh, of course, um, Poulter went and picked him in the playoff. So uh, since then... Um, Basically, it's been a struggle for him. I mean, he had a couple of other good finishes that year. He had a second at uh, uh, the Travelers as well uh, in the summer of 2018. But after that, it's gradually been more and more of a struggle for him. He's been back to the Cornferry finals. Uh, But he had his best finish since that second at the Travelers when he was third at Pebble uh, a couple of weeks ago. So he's got the recent high finish that we're looking for for players coming into this week. Um, He's... Californian, of course, by native, uh, uh, brought up in California. And uh, so we sort of look at 
what the likes of Hahn and Merrick have done and Homer, and you sort of think, well, this is a good place for Californians. Um, he uh, was 15th here the last time he came here in 2019. Uh, he's played well at Tory. He's got a top 10 at Tory. Uh, he also played well at the Fortinet uh, last um, fall, which uh, links well here. Obviously, Max Homer, uh, winner across both events, and, and plenty of other players have performed well at the Fortinet, uh, who have played well at Riviera as well. So um, he's, he's wildly inconsistent. We could be looking at a missed cut, of course. But um, as he showed again at Pebble, even after a bad start on Sunday, he fought back well. And, and he, he's he's got the talent and he's got the pedigree that uh, you wouldn't be amazed if he suddenly won a big event. Uh, because, I mean, he led the US Open at the age of 17 after 36 holes. So uh, he, he's... Um, He's the sort of player, he will eventually click, he will eventually win. It's a bit like what I say about Pat Rogers, who could also go well this week. Uh, and um, yeah, but I just, um, I thought Bo was worth chancing because there's a lot of things pointing in his direction this week. And at 250 to one, uh, each way first eight, uh, so that's fifth of the odds. So it's a 50 to one winner if he comes um, seventh or what have you. Uh, I'm um, happy to give him a go. So so that's the last of my picks this week. Uh, and um, yeah, uh, that's Bo. Hostler at uh, 250 to one fifth of the odds first eight. Uh, is he a guy you saw again, California guys that you saw much of um, uh, back in his younger days at all, uh, Len, or was on your radar at all? Yeah, you know, he didn't get on. He didn't get on my radar until he was at. Uh, he he was in college. He went to the University of Texas. Yeah, he was a decorated amateur player. Made the Walker Cup and uh, the Arnold Palmer Cup. He, you know, he was he was. You know, I think that uh, when he turned pro, we would have expected uh, maybe not Colin Morikawa or Victor Hovland level, but we certainly would have expected more from him than he's delivered. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's only 26 years old. Yeah. Uh, oh, Tom yeah. Hoagie just reinvented himself last week at uh, age 32. Yeah. Um, so there's plenty of time for Bo Hostler. He's a terrific, terrific putter. He's got a He's uh, he's got to just uh, keep the ball in the fairway and uh, yeah, that's uh, it. I mean, he could have a, obviously a horror week off the tee, of course, but he's got the length for here as well. That's the other thing. He's he's long off the tee, so yeah. Um, so he's yeah. Uh, you know, I think we all expected more from him when he when he came out, and you know, it's just sports, it's just life. You know that not everyone coming out of college can be great because there's just too many guys. So, uh, but there is yeah. time for him. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, before we have a recap on our, our bets and uh, our, our music for the week, uh, I'm uh, delighted to say that next week coming on the show, um, uh, Ben Coley is going to be joining me. Uh, of course, uh, you know, I'm sure listeners both sides of the, uh, the pond will know Ben very well, obviously been um, on a terrific run of form with his tips for sporting life over the last 12 months or so. Uh, and when I asked um, uh, Ben if he would be kind enough to come on, on the show and, and he was you know, brilliant that he said he would. Uh, we talked about which event. Um, he's got a soft spot for the Honda Classic, having uh, put Russell Henley up at 300 to 1 a few years ago. So uh, uh, he, he said, bagsy me the Honda. So uh, uh, Ben is uh, going to be joining us to talk about uh, the, the Florida Swing, which starts next week, and the Honda Classic. So really looking forward to that. Uh, Ben's thoughts on that. And uh, I'm sure I'll be hearing about the Mountain Goats as well, which is uh, uh, Ben's uh, mu musical passion. So uh, I'm sure 
sure he might well find a way to work them into the pod, possibly. Yeah, um, I, I, I might say Ben is great. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I'm just the appetizer compared to Ben. That'll be the main course. That, that that's I'm looking forward to that. I follow Ben on on Twitter. I read his stuff. He's uh, he's fantastic. He's very entertaining. And, uh, you know, uh, boy, for all the people who got stuck listening to me for an hour, they you got to come back next week and listen to Ben. <laughs> well, I think you're selling yourself a bit short there, Len. I mean, uh, Ben, I'm sure will be great next week, but it's been um, fantastic to have you on and obviously great to get your insight uh, uh, as to um, uh, Riviera and, and your experiences. I mean, one, one last question to ask you actually about Riviera. Uh, of all the years you've been, which would you say is the, the most memorable um, memorable year you went, uh, the most memorable win or finish you saw there or, or what? Have you? Well, I'm going to go back. I, you know, I, this happened on a Sunday. It's one of the most memorable shots in Riviera history. Uh, and, I, and I'm not going to lie. I wasn't there on Sunday. I was there on Saturday. It was a rainy 2001. And, uh, and, and, and on Sunday in 2001, uh, there was a six-man playoff. Mm. And uh, on the 18th, the first playoff hole, the 18th, which is the brutally uphill long 475 yard par four. Uh, I mean, this is 20 years ago. You weren't uh, eight ironing into the green and stuff. And, yeah, yeah. and and Robert Allenby hit a three wood from the fairway. He, you know, uh, well over 200 yards and it rolled to four feet. And I'll never forget that shot. And he made the putt and he won the six man playoff on the, on the first playoff hole. It was, had to be maybe the highlight of his career. And there's another yeah. Austin playing well at this tournament. Brandel Chambly was in that playoff. Uh, Dennis Paulson, who's also on serious uh, PGA tour radio. Uh, I've read that he said that was the greatest shot he ever saw in his life in person. So from a three wood to four feet to win uh, Riviera, uh, that, that's always uh, stuck out in, in my mind. And, uh, and yeah, but I, I was not witness to that on, yeah. on site. Well, he, he was a t tremendous ball striker at his peak, uh, Robert Allenby, no doubt about that. So uh, uh, obviously he had his off-course off problems, as it were, but uh, he was a, a, a great ball striker. And uh, yeah, I do uh, uh, I, I do have a, a, a distant memory of him winning that playoff. So um, yeah, so that's, that's a, um, a great shout. Um, run us through your picks again for the week, Len. Remind us uh, who, who you've got for your bets. Uh, going a little bit, a little bit higher up from the from the absolute chalk. Cam Smith at uh, twenty two to one. Rory McIlroy at twenty two to one. Great value for both of those guys. Uh, top ten, top eleven players in the world. Vicar Hovland twenty five to one. Mark Leishman just uh, sixty to one. I get goosebumps just thinking about that as I say it again. And uh, and hoping for a, a little Ricky Filler, Ricky Fowler magic. Uh, uh, for a top 25 to one from Ricky this week. Brilliant. Uh, and I believe you've got um, one more track as well, Len, that uh, we've not mentioned yet. One more musical track to uh, throw on the playlist for this week. Yes. And I am back to the uh, playing Captain Obvious and, and the chalk. There is what, what band could I go to for this week? Other than a band uh, again from the uh, middle ages uh, long ago, but the band's name is the Rivieras. They are, were a, uh, at least the California sound, the surf sound of the 1960s. 
most prominent, the Beach Boys, but there actually was a band called the Rivieras. I don't believe they were members of the club, but they did a song called the Ca California Sun. It was it was a cover. It wasn't theirs originally. I don't know who did it originally, but I, I if people uh, listen to it, and, and I know you'll you'll link out to it later. I think a lot of people will go, oh yeah, that's the song. But Rivieras California Sun, obvious pick for this week. Brilliant. Uh, and I did, I, I must admit, I've never heard it before, listened to it um, a couple of days ago for the first time, and uh, it's uh, a great tune. So uh, definitely um, one to listen out for on the pod, uh, or on the playlist, I should say, when I link that out. Um, my bets for the week, uh, I'm going um, fairly predictably with John Rahm at uh, nine to one, uh, four points win. Uh, then I'm going with um, Will Zalatoris at uh, 20... Five to one, one point each way. Uh, sorry, 28 to one, Will, Will Zalatoris, one point each way. Um, fifth of the odds, first eight. Uh, then I'm going with Matt Fitzpatrick, uh, one and a half points each way at 33 to one. Fifth of the odds, first eight. Uh, and then my long shot, uh, Bo Hostler at 250 to one. Uh, one point each way, fifth of the odds, first eight. Uh, the musical playlist this week, uh, we've got uh, a, a right old, um, as always, we've got a right old, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, cross-section selection of some great uh, great tunes this week. Uh, we've got Lost in Hollywood by System of a Down. Uh, we've very much got the Hollywood theme this week through all the songs. So it's Lost in Hollywood by System of a Down. Uh, we've got um, Green Onions by Booker T and the MGs because of their link to the Happy Gilmore soundtrack. Uh, <laughs> we have, um, where are we? We have Film Music by Electra Lane, another fantastic uh, instrumental tune. Do check that one out. Um, Celluloid Heroes by The Kinks. Uh, a great tune again, and one that I'm sure Dave Tyndall will be delighted to have uh, on the pod. Um, Bella Lugosi's Dead by Bauhaus. If you've never heard that before, it's nine minutes long. Uh, it's an acquired taste, but uh, you'll either love it or hate it. Uh, and um, the Riviera's California Sun, uh, picked by Len. Um, can't uh, go wrong with a band called the Rivieras, obviously, for this pod uh, this week. And then we have the listener tune, which is Clint Eastwood by the Gorillas. Uh, and my final musical pick for this week, which I thought I should save to last, really, because it's Exit Music for a Film um, by Radiohead from their 1997 album, OK Computer. Nice. Uh, and um, quite simply, this is one of the best albums ever made. So um, if you've never heard OK Computer by Radiohead, uh, it's a must listen. Um, I believe this song was also on the film Romeo and Juliet, uh, but um, it's on the album OK Computer and it's exit music for a film. Uh, and that wraps up this week, this week's musical playlist. Um, Len. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, I will be envying you um, when um, uh, when you're out there in the sun this weekend and uh, I'm sat here on a cold, but we've got a storm coming through, one of our winter storms where it's uh, windy and rainy and you can't even get the dog out for a walk and it's horrible. So uh, uh, we've got that to look forward to this weekend, I believe, and uh, I'll be envying you out there. So uh, uh, you'll have to take a take a big banner around and say, hello, Martin Alternative Golf Pod or something. <laughs> I, can see, I can see you out there. So... Uh, but thank you so much for coming on. Um, remind everyone, Len, where uh, they can um, find your stuff and your content um, online, etc. 
Well, Martin, first of all, it's just been an honor to be here with you. I, I mean, I'm just so thrilled and, and, and surprised and pleased that you, you asked me to come on with you. I've thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you. We had a little bit of a relationship on uh, in Twitter, not so much, but I feel I've gotten to know you much better and listening to the past few podcasts and we'll continue to listen. It's been a, a pleasure to be here. Uh, I write for uh, a website called Rotowire. Uh, and I write two articles a week, one on the, the DraftKings preview for the uh, DraftKings uh, you know, salary cap games, and then a, a weekly recap appears on Mondays. Uh, I do a podcast now with Jason Sobel, which is a great thrill of mine. We just taped right before uh, coming on uh, with you. It's called the Links and Locks podcast. I tweet that out. I'll probably tweet that out later tonight. Uh, I do some That's stuff great. on DraftKings videos on Wednesdays and appear on Sirius XM talking about the tournament on Wednesday as well on the fantasy radio channel. Um, but um, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's a lot of fun getting to talk golf with everyone and, and certainly with you today. Thank you. Well, if, if you haven't, again, for the English listeners, if you haven't uh, caught any of Len's stuff, um, any of the pods and what have you, uh, do do give it a listen or a watch because, um, uh, as I'm sure you've realized from uh, listening to this, Len, Len really knows his stuff. And, um, you know, whether you're playing DraftKings or betting, um, definitely uh, definitely worth checking out all of all of his content. So uh, from my point of view, obviously, my name is Martin Matthews. You can find me on Twitter at SundogMonkey. Uh, and um, you can find me uh obviously also at the uh, alternative golf pod uh on twitter uh also as well as my uh sundog weekly written preview i'm um uh, writing a preview for sporting life on a sunday which you can check out as well uh previewing the final round of events so uh we'll uh, have a preview out this sunday for riviera um for the final round so uh so yeah um thank you again everyone for listening thank you len for being on uh let's back some winners and um turn the music up loud when the podcast comes out and the playlist comes out and uh have a great week everyone and good night <laughs>